0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Get through, you get through, you
1: get
0: Welcome back, everyone. I hope you are all having a lovely week. I know I have because I got to talk to a bunch of my friends, it was pretty sweet. Today is the final episode of Swan Dive into Minivan Week. My guest today is Miles Sweeney. He is the lead guitarist of Off-Road and was also in my first band ever. He invited me into a project back when we were kids, and I've been stuck on playing music ever since. Tomorrow is release day for Off-Road Minivan, so please go pre-save our album Swan Dive. You can do it on Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. Now is an extremely difficult time to be releasing music, streaming numbers are down, super hardcore, so it would really mean a lot if you could do that, so please, go download our record, yeah, get to it, okay? Today is a very special day, we are releasing our brand new video for the song You, courtesy of Flood Magazine. You is a simple love song, and we just wanted to stay away from the gloom and film a bright, beautiful music video. It's a bunch of places in the Hudson Valley, like the Historic Diner in Red Hook, Bard College, The Rec Park, and Miles' House. So if you have a moment, please go to Flood Magazine and listen or watch our new video for the song You. Well, that's it. I'll stop telling you guys what to do. I keep telling you to watch our videos and listen to our songs like I have all week. But, for now, you can just listen to this conversation. So here we go, my episode with Miles Sweeney. You
2: say you wanted a friend You gave me all you had to give them You say you wanted a friend Yeah But then we went from bed to break it The knife in the back so slow, slow. You say you a friend.
1: Yeah.
0: Hey, Miles. What is up, my dude? Hey, not much, man. Just chilling
3: today. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for joining me on the Get Tucked podcast. Are you ready to get tucked? I'm ready. You sound. You sound chill right now. I don't know. I feel like out of all the people trying to get tucked, like maybe you're on that low-key vibe right now. Are you having a, a very chill, chill Thursday morning?
3: Yeah, I'm actually having a nice productive day. Uh, yeah, I did some music this morning and uh, yeah, um, you know, just, yeah, just chilling now. What kind now. of music?
0: Were you teaching lessons today or something?
3: Um well I had a phone chat with somebody who I'm doing a record with. Um his name's Steve Gutterman. He's a really great singer.
0: Is that the one you and Evan are working and on?
3: And it is, yeah. Cool, cool. Um and we're doing this um this cool uh skinny this cool seventies rock song. Um uh Thin Lizzie. Do you know Thin Lizzie? Yeah, I know of them.
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't know the songs per se, but I know of the band Thin Lizzy. Um, Yeah, that's cool. So you guys are doing some cover songs.
3: Yeah, we're doing a lot of covers. I think we did five five covers and four originals for this guy's uh,
0: record. That (laughs) sucks. That's super sick. I almost (laughs) just said that sucks. Um, That's (laughs) sick. No, uh, I know you told me a little bit about this project. So Evans playing piano on it. Is he playing drums on it too? He, he's doing both. Cool. As he can do. And you're yeah. doing all the guitar and bass.
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: That's sweet. What when you're recording, um, bass? What bass do you use? Do you use the old Yamaha? I do. That's sick. it's got three
3: strings
1: on. It. Yeah. Oh, Dude, no those way. Dude, I have no strings. <laughs>
0: Give me strings if you need them during quarantine. That's terrible. Yeah, I know you can't buy right. strings anywhere, but luckily when this happened, I took some with me home. So they're going to be heavy gauge, but, well, you know, if right. you want them.
3: Dude, if you could help set up the, the base, that would be sick.
0: Oh, I'd love if you to. you come by some time. I love that thing. So for those listening there is we'll eventually get to it but when we were in our first band the the person in the band for some reason he had uh he had a thing for Yamaha basses and he had two of them but one was this kind of uh kind of green um but kind of blue it's really hard to explain old and it, the body style of the Yamaha basses is almost like a Gibson grabber but smaller so it's actually a really, really badass looking bass. I'm pretty sure it has a, a PJ setup in it, right?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the pickup situation or anything. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't know my bass lingo too well. I just uh, I pretend to to play bass when I have to. Oh, but,
2: that's uh, cool. Yeah, You're pretty good
3: at it, just, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You know your guitar chops come through on the bass. It's a good, you know, accompanying instrument to the guitar.
0: We were talking uh, about that yesterday a little bit with uh, Dave because he kind of picked it up pretty pretty naturally and easily, uh, I'd say. But
3: oh yeah, yeah he's great. He's got some sick bass riffs on the album.
0: Oh yeah, yeah he does. Um, I think you is probably my favorite, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. He's he gets all over the place due to sick, but. You Miles, this is about you. Fuck Dave. We're not talking about <laughs> Dave today. We talked about Dave yesterday. And guess who just called? Evan did. I'm going to see what he's texting me back now.
1: Evan. Why
0: not? Oh, Evan. Yeah. Oh, he is uh he is teaching how to break in what's gonna say what's up. Um so yeah, this week I've interviewed everyone else but you, um from our band and I think that kind of makes sense even though originally i was gonna have you and dave switched but i think it makes sense that it all starts with you miles because so really it all did start with you in our time at Malagros <laughs> in tivoli yeah. york um okay so little backstory um the year is around i would say 2004 2000 that. and No, you
3: know 2005? No, no, no. It's it's 2003, maybe 2002 cuz it was oh, before wow. I was I was in 8th grade at le- at the most. Holy smokes. Okay. I was dating uh my girlfriend's name was Jill. That's I remember.
0: cool. Yes. Jills are cool. Um Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. Dude, it's like too bad your name isn't like Jack. Like, <laughs> 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 um Wow.
1: Okay, no, that's good. That's
0: good. Thanks. Thing. Thanks, bro. Well, that place isn't a, a event spot anymore. But back then, we went to a show that we talked about just a little bit yesterday. Um, but it was in Tivoli, New York. It was at a venue called Moagros. And it was a band called Annandale playing and another band called Final Expression. Final Expression was a very noisy, what some could say, hardcore band. And it was basically just moshing and screaming and. Uh, chords that didn't go together, but mm-hmm. it was fantastic. But more importantly, Annandale played, and you guys
3: were sick. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. There was there was one snafu. Uh, our bass player got a nosebleed right before the show, and he almost like canceled our, our set for this nosebleed. But then, luckily, I think you got the entire crowd chanting his name to come back out and, and he powered through it. It was, was something like
0: that. I recall talking to you and Simon and being like, well, dude, it's not hardcore. If you don't play a show, cause you have a nosebleed. Like that would be like the least hardcore thing that you could do right now. And yes. obviously we were children, but I'm glad he decided to play. The dude had moves. Good old Simon. <clears throat> um, You guys end up still playing the show. And I just recall being pretty mind blown because at this time I am just starting to listen to this kind of music, but I didn't know anyone in our area was really making it, at least people that were uh, slightly younger than me. And it just blew my mind. You guys were super cool, especially you already had secondhand roses and that song was
2: sick. Um, (laughs)
0: You had the swoopiest hair of all hair, like it was <laughs> insane. Like
3: <laughs> it, was it was super nice.
0: I was so jealous, man. Oh god. And dude, I just had. Dude, you the, had
3: beautiful hair back then too. Let me just and say
0: frilly bangs that died and fell off my rotting corpse. But um, so you guys played that show, and then after you guys finished, I, I just remember talking to you and Simon outside for a little bit out by my sister's car. And I think we all decided to hang out. Um, And soon I got to come to the waterfall house. Yes. That was pretty tight. Uh, My mind was also blown again because I'd never been to a house that had a waterfall in the front yard. Um, So that was pretty sweet. But you guys invited me to come Hello, are you there again? I am here, yeah. Sorry, okay. I think
3: something went, went on with the Wi-Fi. Yeah, it looks like you. I'm on Wi-Fi now.
0: Okay. Yeah. Beautiful Wi-Fi. What is the world without Wi-Fi? Um, it's, man, I can't believe this picture you just sent me. It's insane.
3: Yeah, I thought I'd share. Yeah, Dave Cruz.
0: Dave Cruz. He was great.
3: He is probably, like, the most amazing guitarist at this point. He was so good.
0: Yeah, he was really ahead of his years. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he was like a metal riffing guitarist. It was sick. Yeah, he and he was, had cool moves, too. Cool moves. Cool
0: I remember when he'd always try to take off his guitar and do a backflip or some shit. Um, oh, yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, yeah. at least he'd do it with the guitar. But, again, we were children, so it didn't matter. Um, yes, yeah. But he was super into, like, every time I die and super cool stuff that i was just he starting was a, to get into like,
3: alexis on fire and like he was into everything
0: yep. yeah he could shred dude was the pull-off <laughs> riff king he yes did pull-off riffs remember, everywhere
3: remember that song that we that we recorded uh hold the knife that had the damn in it oh yeah that little riff? That that's was yeah. sick
0: i want the pull-off riff to like make a comeback
3: yeah i just did a pull-off riff for that that guy steve gutterman um i'll send you the song what a metal name
0: gutterman Dude, Yo, it's
3: what's up? I'm Steve Gorman. Dude, his voice kind of sounds like that. It's kind of awesome. That's Struthers. sick. Bass voice. He's got a bass voice. It's crazy. Is it sexual? Uh, no. It's just really weird. It's like cool, man. It's like goth. Oh, it's like, that's it's cool. Goth. I love that. It's like that. goth metal. It's like horror metal. It's cool. Sweet. Uh, yeah, with that '70s, you know, influence and stuff. Yeah, like
0: some falsetto-y shit or something, maybe.
3: No, Um, no, he doesn't go for, like, the, he doesn't do, like, the 80s, 70s, like. The final countdown. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just more, like, down like this. It's really cool. Okay. I can't can't do it too well, but. That's cool.
0: Someday, we'll hear it, the record. But, sorry, uh, we got cut off for a second, the internet died, but Miles is back. We're talking about Annandale, which is, at the time, his band. But what we're getting to is it will soon be our (laughs) band. Um, So you guys played that show. You invite me over to hang out with you. And we have like kind of uh, an audition, I guess, in your in your basement. Did Dylan come that night?
3: Yeah, probably. Yeah, he was the drummer. And I can't remember honestly. I actually. know
0: Simon was there. I know you were there. I just can't remember if Dylan came or if we were just jamming me you and Simon. But <laughs> that
3: that could be right. Yeah. There was a lot of me you and Simon.
0: Somewhere taking- along the way you guys realized I sucked at guitar, but I could sing. And uh, okay. I yeah. think yeah, and then I don't know, but I guess you guys were like, "Hey, you should, you know, sing in the band." So I started singing in the band. And that was pretty tight. Um, and then we, we practiced pretty hard all the time. We were still in a place where we had to have our parent, my parents, or everyone's parents drive them around and stuff. But we did a pretty good job of keeping at it. That summer, we played the Cranel show with the Junior Varsity, Aiden, The Hurt Process, and The Audition. Talked about this a little bit yesterday you remember much of that show? That was the only one like, bigger show I did with you
3: guys. yeah, no, that was a pretty big show for us. That's probably the biggest show Annandale did, just considering Aiden had like a sort of big moment um right afterwards. um oh yeah, you know, we almost played with Hidden in Plain View, who I saw a few times at the chance in the Big theater. So, like, we got really close to playing some, like, bigger shows for a really, really young band.
0: Um, I think if we would have kept at it,
3: we would have. Oh, yeah, we definitely should have, yeah, kept at it. But then, you know, we entered high school and uh, other elements, you know, came about, namely, I'd say, girlfriends. And at least speaking personally, I'll just say girlfriends and, uh, you know, got into, like, a bit of partying and stuff, so... The band yeah. stuff kind of suffered. If we had just stuck with it, though, I think, you know, yeah, it was a great band.
0: Yeah, you guys, I mean, before we get there, I, one thing I brought up yesterday, remember when we went and played Sean Legier's Backyard? And that, I guess, was, it, I sang that day, but I had never really sang in our band. Um, but we did that Silverstein cover. Um, what was What's that one song? And oh God. when you find out that I'm done. Um, <laughs> I forget the name of it, but uh something about breaking things or something like that. But God damn it. That's going to plague my brain. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Uh, but yeah, we sat and played that Silverstein cover. That was super fun. We did the summer show, but Annandale didn't last too long for me, really, although it made quite the impact. I remember we ended up doing one more show with me at the Elks Lodge in Red Hook, and I played and I Shot Marvin that day and in um, Annandale. That was fun. And maybe that so was, fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. if that was partially what led to my eventual demise. But one day, you and Simon and Stoutenberg all come over to my house and kick me out of the band. <laughs> and uh, my little emo heart was broken. I was no longer a singer in a screamo band. I was just a bassman in a hardcore band. And that will eventually set me up for the rest of my life. Um, but smashed into pieces. That's the name of the song. Okay. Okay, thanks. That was it. I was was looking that up. But, um, gosh, I'm a mess. We just, Danielle and I built a new desk this morning. So I have a new desk set up and I hung up some of my beautiful Music Man bases. And I am in a new element today. So I'm a little clumsy. But
3: Okay, this is great. It's great just talking to you.
0: It's great to talk to you as well. I love it. It's my favorite. Um, we've been pretty good of keeping in touch throughout this whole damn thing anyway, so it's not really yeah. that different. But today has a purpose. It's to tell the musical history of Miles Taylor Sweeney of Off-Road Minivan. Episode 8 of Get Talked. But, um, yeah. So, Annadale, you guys kicked me out. We played the Alex Hodge show. That show was super fun. I forget what other... Bi- I know... Um, True Take Same played. Wasn't Fight Me Vinny
3: in there there too? Like their reunion?
0: You know Fight Me Vinny did play. Yeah. It's Fight Me Vinny, True Take Same, Annandale, I Shot Marvin. And maybe that was it? I think that was it. I, I don't know.
3: I, you have such a good memory for that stuff. I forget like most of the bands that I played with when I was 13 years old.
0: It's really <laughs> stupid, dude. Like, my <laughs> I, my whole life, if I could have my brain register anything that was uh, a little bit more useful than lyrics to songs or, um, like, shows that I've attended, then I, dude, I would be doing so well in life. But sadly, that's about all that's <laughs> stuck in this stupid, terrible, disgusting sponge. But... <laughs> That was a great show. Uh, I had a great time soon thereafter. I left. You guys did Annandale for a little while. Ryan, um, who is my neighbor joined. I know I just can't get enough of Ryan's in my life. And you guys re- re-recorded one of the songs or two of the songs or recorded a new song or something.
3: Yeah. We, re- we recorded secondhand roses and then there was two new songs. Um, and it's even hard to find those second recordings because I think they're only on MySpace. And, like, I don't oh, know so if those MySpace are probably gone. works anymore. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, he wanted you guys to be more serious. He wanted to write yeah. poetic lyrics, not I'm going to um, kill myself but not kill myself because I'm 15 years old. What the fuck am I talking about lyrics? <laughs> Which, honestly, dude, if we were looking back on, like, who is more Screamo? I was so much more screamo than Ryan Stoutenberg. You guys fucked up. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Well, I can tell you we were more productive, but I mean, that's probably more my fault. But we were like, the band was definitely at its heights when you were um, at the helm.
0: Naturally. Um, You know what? I yesterday, just because I thought it, it feels better for me. I said that I blame Simon because Simon liked Ryan Stoutenberg so much and thought he was so cool. So I was like,
3: well, it is. It's hard to not like (laughs) soundberg, such a sexy, he had like long hair. I know, you know, he, he, yeah, he had, he had deep, you know, deep strong aspirations, but we were just like, he also was very screamo. I mean, he liked AFI, like he loved AFI,
0: but you guys did just become tighter. You guys were hanging out all the time. And I, I guess I was starting to get caught up with band number two for me. I shot Marvin. Um, we all just hung out with older guys and it got us distracted.
3: Exactly. Older men influenced us to do
0: bad things. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but that was also very fun. I shot Marvin really didn't do shit. We played a couple shows, but we never went and played like the loft or anything like that. Um, so things kind of went stagnant, but
3: yeah. yeah. Did you do singing in that band was that nick cadone
0: That was nick cadone nick- you D- know i know what fucked up that band um was he started dating my sister
3: no really yeah. I did yeah
0: yeah it was nick cadone and kyle avetchi on vocals nick played guitar i played bass i mean they were teaching me how to play bass so i'm still very thankful and ryan collins played drums and he was sick he was a super good drummer at the time um we had a fun time. That that band was good. Uh, we put on cool shows. I was basically just pretending to be Steve Marcota. So uh, yeah. I wonder if I should actually name drop all of these people from my <laughs> childhood on the internet without their consent, because that's probably not cool. <laughs> so I'm going to stop doing that from now on.
3: All right. And we'll just bleep Anyone it out. else that bleep I've mentioned.
0: I'm not going to bleep it because that's, I don't even know how to do that yet. Um, Beep. I'm, Yeah, I'll make a bleep sound. I'll just cut it out. I'll cut out their last names or something. But if I don't because I'm lazy and we're still talking about this and recording it, then sorry, guys. Um, But more importantly, I guess I'll drop something. Speaking of Steve, there is a company called Bone Shaker Records and Bone Shaker Print Shop in Kingston, New York. And if you like to get your merch printed at a really cool local shop that will put love and care into your stuff and also help you design something amazing, hit them up. So, boom. There. Trade. But, hell yeah. Back to the good stuff. Um, In this time when you guys did Annandale for a little while with Ryan, Dylan... Uh, Simon. And it was interesting because you all just started liking different things. I remember Dylan becoming very into like Mogwai and um explosions in the sky and stuff like that. Um Did you guys just slowly stop being a band and then
3: you just weren't in a band for a while after that? Yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, yeah, I'd say Dave left the band next. Dave at- Cruz? No, I I think Dave Trimbley cuz he was in the band when you were in it, right? Yeah, but saying. I think
0: he was we were trying to figure this out yesterday if he was out before I was out or if he was still in the band. Um
3: I think I think it was about the same time and and yeah, the full story is yeah, we basically stopped being a band. We practiced and we did put out another EP. Um that I played the drums on. Um, I was actually an okay drummer back then. I'm not, like, that good anymore. Um, but, yeah, I did. So we we just put out a couple songs. Um, and then different bands. Do you remember Dylan started playing in this band, Countess of Persia, which was very pavement-influenced. They were great. Weezer-influenced. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not to name-drop Dylan, but he actually dropped out of school, I think, to, like, go on tour with the band. And yeah. that just ended up not happening.
0: If I wonder if we can find those recordings anywhere, because that band actually was fantastic. The singer's name was Ricky. He yeah. had been in a few projects. He formerly played drums in a band called Ghost Among the Dead. Yes. And, um, yeah. Which, funny, they almost got signed to Solid State Records years ago. But, um, wow, yeah, Countess of Persia. I forgot Dylan went and played in that band, which is great for mm-hmm. him. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, he's done, uh, cool things with his life, so I don't think he's that bummed out about dropping out of high school, but yeah. yeah, what a guy, what a band. I forget who else played in that band. I don't recall. I just remember the bass player having a really amazing Fender bassman, all tube head and that mm-hmm. being like, I was like, man, I just want his bass tone. That's amazing.
3: Um, yeah, yeah they, they were really good. They it, were, that was a really nice sounding band.
0: Oh yeah. Did you play in any other bands around this
3: time or up until you went to college? Um no, I I played with other people. Um yeah. I I put out like a couple solo records. I don't know if you ever heard, but they're up on like MySpace. Like I I had um and I used to hand them out at school and stuff. And they were actually really interesting and cool.
0: Um, I was, was like, like Elliot into... Smithy stounding stuff. Yeah. Right?
3: Yeah. I got very into like Elliot Smith and Nick Drake and that like acoustic emo sound. So that became sort of my shtick. I'd say through the later half of high school was like, was doing that. I mean, I still played with Ryan. That's cool for high school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And, and it definitely like progressed my musical knowledge, um, you know, a little bit further and stuff, you know,
0: I, I, you know, yeah, it's a little different than playing power chords and panic chords and, you know, pull off riffs. Right. It's uh, a little bit more complex. So, yeah, it's just yeah. yeah, absolutely. I guess. And in, in the sense of Red Hook High School, things ended up the only semi screamo band actually ended up being Dev's band, uh, Coriolis Effect. And then, you know, I was in the pop punk band with Adam and. hmm. Zach, yeah. we were in a three-piece pop punk band called Imposserous, and we were actually pretty good. I thought yeah, we you guys were great. great. We're uh, very we're good. We were tight. Adam taught me how to sing and play bass well. He, like, I mean, I, I was always singing in chorus and doing theater, but I never had to harmonize with anyone live, and basically all of our songs were harmonies the whole time, so that was super fun getting to work with him was really great because they were also the first people I ever met that were trying to record themselves. They spent so much money on personal equipment and being able to record themselves at home and all the demos we ever released, they did themselves. It was pretty badass. loved working with those guys. But you eventually, uh, after you graduated high school, didn't you move to Florida for a while?
3: Yep. Yep. I moved to Miami. Um, and I'm going to Miami. <laughs> going to Miami. Yeah, that that's uh, all I listen to down there.
0: You know, when you were down there, did you hear a lot of people called Miami?
3: Uh, from time to time. Yeah. yeah,
0: my friend Carlos, who does merch for Fit for a King, from time to time, he is from Cuba and he lives in Miami, and that's how what he calls it and how he says it, and I says huh. it the proper way, um, and then it's funny. I was listening to that Will Smith song again, and like thinking about it, and there is a part where it's in Spanish, and they refer to it as Miami. So I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. I've never thought about Will S- uh, Will Smith's song that deeply before." But <laughs> fun fact: that was the first CD I ever owned was
3: Big Willie Style. <laughs> Nice. Good shit. Uh, my my first was uh the Backstreet Boys. Um, um I think I was 6. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty dope. There's a bunch
0: when of uh Everyone say, uh, some
3: did of the most that. troubled the most some of the most troubled kids in my grade actually did like a bunch of uh, covers of Backstreet Boys songs and I was like a part of it. It's just kind of funny that that's these like cool. badass guys were like into Backstreet Boys.
0: Well, when you're young, I think um, you're going to be into just about anything that looks cool to you and when you're young, I think you either <laughs> notice what girls are liking and you're like, oh, wow, I'm going <laughs> to pretend I like that too or you're like, oh, that's gross. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's the same way that, you know, my sister's friends could be over and they're all watching the Spice Girls movie. And generally I'd be like, fuck the Spice Girls. But then I'd be like, yo, y'all watching the Spice Girls movie? Shit, move over, tamarara. Like, I'm like... <laughs> Totally. So, you know, it just, I guess it depends on what you're interested in when you're a young lad. But, yeah, uh, yeah Backstreet Boys were cool. I like that stuff. I was more of a Hanson guy. I had a Hanson cassette, actually. And me and Stoutenberg, we were we were super into Hanson at the time. I you know I wonder if he'd like to still say that or if it was really just me. It might have just been me. I don't know. <laughs> I just recall being in the bathtub listening to Hanson. So <laughs> think about that, guys. Pretty sexy. Um, I was a young young buck back then. That was a very long time ago. We were listening to a a cassette that was like a copied cassette, not even a purchased one. So, we- oh yeah, you.
3: Nice. So what were you doing in Miami, Miami? Uh, You know, to be honest, I just didn't <laughs> feel like going to college right away. Um, I graduated high school with pretty good grades, but I kind of didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I also was interested in writing books. So I went to Miami, um, moved in with a girl I was seeing immediately, um, started working as a picture framer. Um, and I wrote a couple books down in Miami. Um, so it was sort of just like a very retrospective time in my life. I'd say high school was a bit crazy. Like, like you can tell, like we were all over the place. Like we, uh, played in so many different bands and gotten to so many different scenes that like, yeah, I just took, you know, two years down in Miami, um, working and meeting new people and like different cultures and stuff. And, um, Wrote a lot of music and, and actually wrote a couple of books that are pretty terrible.
0: That's but, awesome. Uh, Did you ever like send them anywhere or try to get them published?
3: Um, I called a, a self-publishing company um, and then they're like, yeah, it'll be 400 bucks to like print 200 books and, well, you know, you'll get a digital copy on Amazon or something like that. And I remember being like, "Yeah, I don't have 400 bucks right now. I'm not going to do it and they literally kept calling me for like the next 10 years. And I kept being like, actually I'm not I'm not going to be a writer. Like um please don't call me anymore. And they just kept calling for for 10 years being like, you inquired about um self-publishing a book. That's so that awesome. Kind of yeah. Vultures. <laughs> they wanted
0: that $400 and they needed it. Okay, Miles. You <laughs> so are on bad. the list. Yeah,
3: exactly. yeah.
0: Um so that's cool. Uh, yeah. Eventually you decide to come back to the Hudson Valley. What made you decide to come back?
3: Um, well, before that I moved to New York City with that same girl I was seeing and okay. again kept uh writing music. That's when I first went to college, was at uh the New York City College of Technology in Brooklyn. Okay. Um and then when me and her split, I uh I decided to move back to the Hudson Valley because we had to get out of the same, you know, the same apartment. And it was kind of a perfect, it was a perfect moment. It really worked out for the best for me. Um, As you know, me and you reconnected, um, me and a lot of old friends. I mean, I had a really, really tight group of friends, Simon being one of them. Yeah, Um, the Tivoli
0: kids were always very tight in general. Um, Yes, yes. Yeah, I I think you guys all really stuck together and... um, Still do, for the most part, it looks like. Yeah. I mean, you guys have way more friends from high school than I do, that's for sure. Um, yeah. But, so you came back. How quickly did you
3: decide to go to college at Bard? Uh, I was back for a year, um, and I was doing Stone Masonry. And I had recorded, I recorded like seven songs, some of which are pretty good. Um, some I kind of, you know, yeah, would love to redo in a way. The lyrics I would love to redo. Um, if you're interested, those are on my SoundCloud under Miles Taylor. Ooh. Um, I'll go yes. listen to those as well. Yeah. Check them out. Um, and so I did that and I was, I was doing some art artistic stuff, but then I I was also working as a stonemason and I was working at this restaurant called a fork in the road. That place rocked. Yeah. It was good food. Oh, um, yeah. and it was fun. You know, those were like really fun years. Um, of hanging out and partying a little bit and, you know, just living life. And then after working as a stonemason, I was like, Hey, I got to do something a little bit more than this. Like I'm not, I'm not destined to make, you know, 15 bucks an hour for the rest of my life. So, um, I went to Columbia, hey, and no Cream. offense to people
0: that, uh, maybe are stonemason and oh, yeah. they fucking love it, but Absolutely. You, should,
3: you should bleep that out because, uh, I was actually making $10 an hour, but oh. <laughs> Yes, but it, you got you got the sentiment. There's nothing wrong. In fact, I miss uh, a lot of those jobs that people today would call yeah. essential. There's a lot of beauty in those jobs. Yeah. In fact, that's why I, I still do a lot of construction on the side and stuff. Yes, but and you still do the framing as well, right? I Yeah, I went back to picture framing, which is what I did in Miami. Um, so that's very interesting. It's kind of funny when things come back around, you know? Yeah. Sure um,
0: there's a nice little art to that yeah can, yeah uh, there's
3: there's hard- some crafts yeah
0: yeah i can hardly put together an ikea desk so i don't really want to try to do anything fancy but <laughs> okay so you're back you decide to go back to college um and you're diving into bard college annandale on hudson um
3: what was the focus <laughs> Um, well that, so I'll just say when I left Columbia green, I kind of thought it was going to be literature still, um, because I knew how hard it was to make it as a musician because I'm more mostly like a songwriting musician. I'm not a classically trained anything. You know what I mean? Like I can't really take music or at least before I went to Bard, I couldn't take music and make some kind of career happen unless it was songwriting based or like band based um stuff um so i was initially going for that but um i had a very strong recommendation letter from the music teacher at columbia green who's actually a really famous bass player called malcolm cecil he literally produced i think a few stevie wonder albums he's like this um he was a visiting professor at the at the community college
0: that's amazing it was incredible.
3: Yeah. Um but he actually, you know, taught at Bard. He teaches master classes all over the place. Um and he heard me play and he wrote me a recommendation for music and so my advisor when I first got to Bard um threw me into the music department and there was really no getting out of it. But obviously I was very gifted at music and it it's my deepest passion um more so than literature. So I I went for music. Yeah. Um and that was sort of like a jazz theory, you know, um, program, you know, like the American Songbook. It's, it's, um, I'm sure you talked about it with Evan a bunch, but, um, yeah, it was the same program as Evan.
0: That's pretty sick. Yeah. You're a shred Lord and doing that program, I'm sure, uh, helped up your game a little bit. It was always interesting going to see concerts at Bard because of, You'd either see like a jazz performance, which is uh, like noodles for hours, which is pretty Mm -hmm. cool, and it sounds awesome. But at the most part, for the most part, you're just like, all right, that's like this is is wild. This is cool, but it's a little tough to follow. But I always also loved seeing the bands that would form at Bard and play. And it's it's funny. I saw. I don't think it happened, or maybe it did. But there was a flyer that was going to be a show at Smog. With Soul Blind, and if I was home, which I was supposed to be on tour, but whatever, all that shit. Regardless, Soul Blind was going to play Smog. I was like, man, I would love to see them there because this is Smog is basically a busted up old garage that's behind the gym in uh, at Bard College, and we've people have put on concerts there for ever. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Gosh. Yeah. I saw even, I saw Kurt Vile there once. Um, like there's been
3: a lot of super legit bands. Yeah. that Come through. Do um, you know that band, the microphones, they were, they got, he got big. He's one guy. I think the microphones, but he's like a real spacey, uh, indeed. I would call it like indie rock thing. Yeah. You get a lot of good musicians who come through. That's cool. Do you um, play in any bands in college? No, I. I mean, I did these. Uh, I did the. I did this band with a bunch of female singers because I. I also joined the jazz vocal group, um, which I hated because you had to get critiqued. You had to go up there and sing a song, and then the entire group <laughs> had to be like, basically tell you that you sucked over and over again. Oh, awesome! But I ended up playing guitar for them, um, so I started this jazz vocal. Not. To, it was like this sort of jazzy, but we took modern songs and we jazz them up with three female harmonies with some really amazing singers. Um, yeah. So I put some bands together, but, um, nothing original. I did almost start a band with my friend Zach cause he was also one of the only musicians who was into singer songwritery, just regular band music rather than like just jazz. So we almost started something back in college. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I was okay. just kind of working on my own stuff, yeah. Yeah, Bard
0: was an interesting place, I think, to form a project because either people wanted to do very obscure things or <laughs> someone was very focused on being a singer-songwriter. So a lot of it, I think, was supporting around other musicians. For instance, like what Evan did with um, Evan Ullman. Uh But mm-hmm. that's cool. That sounds nice. Yeah. But we snagged you at the end of college I mean you hadn't graduated yet if I remember correctly
3: yeah you guys snagged me I, I think you guys actually we can retell this story later if you want to but um you you and the band came to the bar um in Tivoli do you remember this and you checked out oh yeah a, a funky little jazz kind of show that I was doing yeah and you signed and that you covered uh Jeff Buckley yeah, was it Jeff Buckley? I, I don't remember what it was. Yeah, the
0: Hallelujah I, cover.
3: Oh, gosh, The Hallelujah cover. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah, bro. Walked um, yeah. in there.
3: Um,
0: yeah, you, you guys it.
3: liked what you saw. It was very, very different than what I would end up playing with you guys, but I guess it was, you, know, you guys enjoyed it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and we at the time, um, Will had stopped <laughs> playing with us and we needed. Someone new anyway, and it just like you have always had a very magnetic sense about you when you're on stage. I think it's hard for people not to notice you and kind of uh see the passion of the of the band and the art when they see you perform in whatever way that you do, whether it's solo or whether it's in a band. It's always been awesome. I've always been a huge fan of it. Um and I guess that's where it really all started is being a fan first, right? So that's why I've always wanted to make music with you. But Hello, everybody. First things first, I want to give a shout-out to That's Awesome Podcast with Joe from Ice Nine Kills and Metalcore Nerds with Sean Mott. These are two awesome new music-related podcasts that I think you guys should go and give a listen to. Also, if you get a chance, currently on the Fit for a King Spotify page you can go and donate directly to our crew. These are a bunch of men who have lost out on about 60 K in wages so far this year, and every dollar helps. We have a goal of five grand that we want to raise for them and every dollar seriously matters. So if you can go to the Fit for a King Spotify page, click on that little link, and donate a dollar or two if you have a moment. We are going to shift gears and vibe out this week. I wanted to showcase yet another band from the Hudson Valley, New York place where I came from super love it so I'm showcasing it because why not it's my show that's what I can do so this week's band is Manu they are a shoegaze band fronted by one of my favorite people Zach Berger when you listen to this band Manu at first it's going to send you into a pretty soundscape of distortions and reverbs and delays and all this cool shit but holy shit when you see them live it completely changes. It's filled with this intensity and emotion that is just so sincere and they're quickly going to climb your list of, I need to see that band again. So please, if you have a moment, go listen to this song right now. What am am I saying? Please, you're listening to the show. Of course, you're going to listen to it. Okay, here we go. Filter Theory by Manu. So, Miles is, I think, one semester away from graduation, if I remember correctly.
3: Yeah. Yes, I think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the band had shown the song. Or no, we hadn't shown the song yet to the label. No. We all got together. We wrote Light Up the Room. Yep. Uh, first practice
3: together. Yeah.
0: First practice together. You started doing that intro part with the chords and rolling with the volume knob. Yes. And that was sick. And everyone just, we wrote, oh man, if you haven't heard on our previous EP, there's a song called Light Up the Room and it's groovy. I love that song. It reminds me of Thrice, but like not Thrice.
3: Yeah, yeah I love it. I love the the chorus. The chorus has got some good riffs. Um, yeah, there, there's some jazziness to it. Yeah. You can hear
0: (laughs) a little free form, but that was awesome. So you joined, we write that song. I think, uh, we put glow together after that. And, uh, 17, I just, I was trying to figure this out with the other guys, but I really can't recant when we wrote that song and if it was. (laughs) Like already put together when you joined, or if it wasn't, I think maybe we had parts
3: of it but didn't have a breakdown to it. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was way different um, at first, and I think the breakdown was there. Um, but then you decided to come back in with the new chorus. New chorus. Um, that was after our first show <laughs> where I played at the loft. Um, so we played a different a different version of 17 years at the loft show. And then after that, we changed it at up. At the
2: loft.
1: Who did
0: Yeah, remember
3: that, remember? that show we played? Um, was it like a, it's like a benefit show.
0: Right. Right. The benefit show that we did with uh cock punch. Um, yes, yes I do remember that. Holy smokes. All right. Yeah. I lose. <laughs> I, there. I forgot something. I didn't, uh, Man, I'm too, uh, there's two two major things we left out this week. I totally forgot about that. Holy smokes. It's not even that major. It was a show. It was a benefit show that I put on. And um, luckily, of all bands in the world, one of my favorites, the lovely Cock Punch played. It was awesome. Vincent and <laughs> Kevin uh, put together there. Uh, forget the other dudes that are in the project. But they came and played. And it was awesome. I had such a good time at that show. But... um yeah.
3: That was your first gig. That was pretty yeah. quickly after you joined, right? Yeah, pretty quickly. Like a week or two. Yeah, we we put together Light Up the Room. Um, and, you know, we had a version of 17 Years. We didn't have Glow, I don't think. Maybe we did. Um, And then we had a, a cover of 1979. That was the, the show we did that 1979 cover. That cover rocked. That was sick, yeah.
0: I thought we did a good job. Yeah. That was also the year that everyone covered 1979.
3: Is it? I I didn't hear any other ones.
0: I saw a few others, but um, it was interesting. I love that song, though. How can you not play it? It's so good.
3: Yeah. Pumpkins is one of my favorite bands of all time. They were huge influence on my musical taste and style. I
0: think the bassist owns... uh, Masoica and Hudson, if I remember correctly. Really? Um, yeah. That's cool. But, yeah, that band rocks. So we did that show, and then after that, I think we recorded the demo at the music space for Spiral Gaze mm-hmm. and did drums and vocals there because Melvin, I think, had already done guitar and bass, maybe? Um. But yeah. That thing smashed. It was good. I love, like, when you... I have to find that pre-pro version itself because I just recall it sounding really cool and unique. But we take the pre-pro version or demo version, whatever you want to call it, of Spiral Gaze, and we send it to Solid State Tooth & L Records, what have you, because if you don't know, they are owned by the same person. And one puts out light music and one puts out heavy music. But... We're talking to uh, Solid State Tooth and Nail and really uh, quite quickly, uh, within one 45 minute conversation, they're like, yeah, we can we can try this project and put it out. So we all get together and have a celebration dinner in Rhinebeck. Ah, yes. That was nice. Good times. (laughs) What a fond memory.
3: It was wonderful. It was a very surreal moment for me. I got to say, being like, hey, so we're going to get a record contract and, you know, we're going to get our EP paid for. And like, there's, there's like really great things on the horizon. Um, yeah, that was I, very real. It was nice. That dinner was great.
0: Yeah. It all came about pretty, um, abruptly and out of nowhere. I was, I was stoked. That was wild. Still thinking yeah. about it is wild. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's the greatest that we've gotten to do it with a bunch of dudes that all have a piece and kind of, our beginning of music in the first place. I mean, me, you and Dave being able to be in a band together, you know, now 16 years later or so is pretty damn cool. So it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very much into it. It's awesome. So we signed with tooth and nail. We put together the EP. Now when recording the EP, um, you played leads on all the songs. I think. Because I know um, for instance, like bass, I only recorded on two of the songs for bass, and Melvin did two songs. So I don't know exactly to what level how
3: you guys broke
0: up the guitar.
3: Yeah, Dave actually wrote um some leads too, because at that point he was still doing guitar. We had a three guitarists, one bass, one drum lineup, which was uh interesting. Um but it I did most it, of them... <laughs> it sounded i, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yeah, it,
0: it wasn't that good, but it was okay. Um, it worked. It worked, it. it worked.
3: Anyway, so he did a few leads that were very, very cool. Um, you know, I did all the leads at, like, the end of Glow was all me. Um, you know, um, I did that one lead in Spiral Gaze in the Verse. Um, Light Up the Room, you know, was all my leads, I think. Um and then 17 years I actually didn't do any leads on because I think in songwriting it's nice to like that was the big problem about having three guitarists I think is that me and Dave would show up to a recording session both with lead parts and it would be like which one do we use um you know we'd obviously make an objective decision about which was better but it was like sometimes it's nice to not have like eight different leads going on it's nice to let the vocals sit on top of the mix, you know, all these little things. So oh, I agree. Uh, so in 17, I literally said, I'm not writing another lead because it was a very, like, the verse riffs are, are two lead sections going on. So I was literally like, I'm not going to write anything else, guys. Like, it's perfect. It's good the way it is.
0: That so. song is fun. I like playing that song a lot. Yeah. But, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so we end up getting it mixed by Mike Watts putting out this EP probably about a year later. But before that, um, we record the spiral gaze video, which you really, you always come in clutch. We would not have any music videos <laughs> if it was not for miles and his family, uh, to be clear. But <laughs> your dad lets us shoot a music video in his um, super, super cool loft. And that is basically what you're looking at when you see the spiral gaze music video um yeah but that was one of the most fun weekends ever apart from destroying my vocal cords but (laughs) we had fun we drank we had all of our friends there and got to put, put together one of the more fun music videos i will probably ever do in my life um I think it was just extra special because we all had family and friends there. You had uh Lena
3: there, but was anyone else from your family in the uh, Um video? from my side, no. Not in the video. Um, but I was reunited with like Marcus Albinder, who was a close friend. Yep. Um back in middle school. Um yeah. Ryan Staunberg was there. Um Man. What a good yeah. time. That shit It rocked. was great, dude. It was awesome. So yeah. I guess this was our,
0: our um, Not mine, but as a band, we had our first experience February of 2018. We dropped the music video for Spiral Gaze, and we put out the EP. Uh, We did one tour with our friends Bloom from Massachusetts, and that was pretty sick. Was that your first tour experience ever?
3: Yep, that was my first tour experience. Any uh, super fond memories? I mean, it's tough to pick one. Um where were we the the night that we all partied? The night where we we all cut loose. us and bloom. That was a pretty nice night. I forget what city we were in. We were in, do you know? Pittsburgh? Um, Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was Pittsburgh I think. Was it Pittsburgh Which, one? By the way, it's an awesome city. Yeah. Um oh, I love Pittsburgh. Always yeah. oh, fun. No, the whole thing was great just being in the van with you guys. Um the whole experience was just kind of nice driving from from show to show. Um yeah, it's yeah, super
0: interesting Like going out for your first tour experience because you're stuck in a van for however long. I think for us it was just a little over a week.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: um, what a good tour to go on. Bloom is a, a side project, Um, or no, I shouldn't say side project. It is a primary project of ex-guitar player of Transit, Tori, and um, now that Transit doesn't exist, basically if you like those songs and like those riffs... Go listen to Bloom, because it rocks. Their band is super good. Um, And one of the more underrated, uh, I guess, you know, pop punk or, you know, emo indie bands of the Northeast. That band is fantastic. And Tori, really, every day he puts up the coolest loops and riffs. It's dumb. Yeah,
3: I I completely agree. They're like, um, yeah, like indie rock, pop punk, really catchy really fun it. live too yeah they're all great like two singers two great harmonizing vocals they're they're yeah. sick that was yeah fun. and
0: that show that we played in Kingston um to begin the tour was also really fantastic that was a beautiful night um, yes yeah but okay so we end up doing that tour you and I and Evan end up doing an acoustic tour with our friend Davey a few months after that which was also super awesome and an insanely fun weekend. Didn't we end up doing it like in my SUV?
3: Yes, because the van broke down, I believe. Yeah. So we were, van- um, and some of the shows were close enough where we, we would drive home and like get home at like five in the morning <laughs> and then just leave the next morning, um, to go to the next one. So it was great. The, va- we put together a really great set of music, um, Based I loved off playing the, those shows. Yeah, a lot of good, you can see a lot of those videos online. But yeah, they were, um, that was a really great show. It was really easy because we we played off of each other. Um, you know, that was the good thing about the acoustic thing is you could go into like some really soulful parts that we had never gone for, gone to before and me and Evan would just follow you like perfectly. So it was an, it was a great set of music.
0: Yeah, it was very free flowing. It was um one of the most enjoyable times as a singer getting to play cuz it we've uh, just the accompaniment that we put together just felt so so perfect for me. I I don't I, it's hard to say cuz I guess that's why nowadays when you listen to a lot of the music that I've created um especially the last few years, a lot of it is um infused with more softer elements than in the past and it's because for me I just love being in that pocket now. Um, And that acoustic tour really showed that to me too because I had moments where I could be really soft and vulnerable and then have times where I could really cut and belt and make it something special Um, for me uh, emotionally, not necessarily resonating with other people. But I liked that, you know, over that period of time, over that tour, there were people that were like, oh, this sounds kind of like Manchester Orchestra. This sounds kind of like the National. And, you know, bands that I really admire and love and it was a just a different side of Off Road Minivan. If you're interested, you can go on YouTube and you can search Off Road Minivan Spiral Gaze, Off Road Minivan Supernova. Um what other songs are up from the acoustic set? Think, um we did Candle in the Dark. Candle which in is the an
3: Dark. Awesome song. Yeah. Man. Um, we
0: crushed that song. If we could re record it and have it sound like that, dude. I I mean, we
1: definitely should,
0: yeah. Yeah, at some point. I really do want to do an acoustic EP at some point, or light electric, whatever you refer to it as. But it's beautiful because also Evan plays piano, and he smashes it and makes it
1: Mm -hmm. worth
0: bajillions because, frankly, he's just so good that you could just listen to him play all day. Um, But we did that, and then we really buckled down and over the next year prepared the new record which is now titled swan dive out may 15th on tooth and no records um you wrote a shit ton of
3: demos for this album mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i i might have written like over 50 songs um and a lot of them just got like left on the cutting room floor um because we were all you were touring and and uh mel and dave were touring so like we didn't have time to develop all of them, but that just goes to show you, like we picked, you know, four, maybe that, that made it onto the album that were really, really good. Um, and we combined it a bunch of songs
0: too. You had a huge part in the, in the song you, which is, I guess seems to be everyone's favorite so far of the singles, but, um, well, didn't you have the original demo of heavy cold play, right? Yes. Yes.
3: So, um, after recording something at Mel's, me and him um, jammed for a second, and I had that little bendy riff, the intro riff slash chorus riff, um, and then he puts like those three chords over it, and we're like, "Damn, that's sweet." Um, and then because I'm such a crazy hard worker when it comes to music, I'm like, "I can't sleep tonight. I'm gonna. I have to go and like write this song." And I probably put it was probably 20 hours um, into that song. And it's funny, because it's such a simple song, but I really wanted the song to flow perfectly from start to finish. Um, and that just required starting from scratch, like, every single, like, over and over again. Like, I can't, I couldn't start the song in the middle. Um, you have to, like, start from the intro and see how it, how it all flows and connects together. Um, and so, yeah, the final form is what I, is what's the, is the song, um, you know for the most part. I mean, everyone adds their own elements and stuff like that, but yeah. yeah I mean, you a know, obviously
0: one. you needed Dave's bass lines in there and stuff, but for the most part, it seems like just all that, uh, with that, the chorus was all you really needed. Once you guys had that, it was like, man, I can slap this thing together because the verses are pretty open and chill. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bridge is chill and basically just a build up. So, yeah. It's awesome, man. I just recall getting that one back and having that be such a fun demo um, and being extremely enthusiastic about that song. Because that also, it's I find that uh, generally on our releases, my favorite songs are the ones that are the most um, written between the entire band. Uh, like <laughs> Vampire is very much a fusion of you and Melvin. You Mm -hmm. can hear it in the riffs. You can hear it where it's Melvin's verses, but those leads and the riffs all over it is just miles, miles, miles. Mm -hmm. I love it. It really, um, brings out this element to our band that reminds me of the stuff that I enjoyed when I was younger, because it seems like you guys aren't doing anything with any intention. You're both just being yourselves. And the way that that fuses together has worked out really fantastic so far. Um,
3: yeah, that song's awesome. It's uh, so energetic, and that chorus is just like... I would have never thought to put that vocal melody to that chorus, but it's like a big, open vocal melody. It's great. The Like, sync your... It's like such a short phrase that you like spread out over the, the whole chord progression, and it sounds really epic.
0: Um, you know,
3: so I, that I, might I, be my favorite song on the
0: record. It might um, be mine as pick. well. Um I, it's hard to say why I had that lyric written and I forget exactly why I, um, landed upon that for it, but it's funny. Um, Ryan Kirby has taught me that where he would always, him and Bob, both of them, I would, uh, for all the Fit for a King stuff I've ever done, I write just these long songs and then they look through them and just go, yep, that's it. And just pull out the phrase or pull out the couple lines that are good are like the perfect ones. Right. And use that. Mm-hmm. So they've he's always told me, and that was the biggest problem with my first Fit for a King record, was I did too much. I didn't think about the idea of having to sing it live and pull it off. Where at least with Vampire, it's built in a way where, yeah, on the court, on the recording I sing it all, but it's meant to be really you, Melvin, and the crowd singing Sink Your Teeth Into Me and me ripping in the middle and having that support. And I think that hopefully someday if the band ever reaches the magnitude that I would like it to, that that's how it would sound live. Um, or at least allowing me to sing the lower register of it and then bop off in the middle. But Totally, yeah. Yeah. I like it's that cri- song. Eventually, I think after the record's out for a while, I'm going to do an episode where I just go through all the lyrics and song mi- meaning, Song meanings. I'm going to do the song, <laughs> um, song minings if you fucking offer me Van Ricky Swan Dive. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, <laughs> that's my terrible uh, Australian accent. We're not... Dude, oh my God, there's this video I'll have to show you guys that's on YouTube. Um... But it's called YOLO, and it's terrible. But when I'm around my friends, it's been Alpha Wolf from Australia. They're super fucking good. And we were supposed to tour together like 70 days this year, and it's all fucking ruined. But (laughs) uh, they're Australian, so when I'm around them, I I do that voice and sound like a complete douche because I'm insensitive (laughs) and I don't care uh, about people's feelings. But they, for some reason, find it remotely humorous uh but that's because they also enjoy the yolo video but maybe they don't think it's funny and they'll listen to this and they'll be like oh fuck you dude but (laughs) i'll just put it out there now because i'm talking about their band but one of the upcoming episodes will be scotty from alpha wolf and i'm very excited to have him on and talk about that band because it's got to be you know crazy being young guys and being in a band and and Getting any international steam, and especially when you're from a place like Australia, that's just so far away and so remote. Um, so that's super badass. But enough about that fucking band. I don't want to talk about them anymore. I want to keep talking about you, Miles, and how sweet you are. Mm, you sweet thank you. boy. Um, mm. man, fuck. Where were we? What we were, were just patting
3: ourselves on the back for a little bit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just talking about Vampire and how awesome it is. Um. Yeah. But do you guys think it's awesome now. Wait till you see the music video because it's really weird and you might think it's terrible. But I like it a lot because I got the dance. The music
3: video is so sick. It's gonna be awesome.
0: Yeah. But <sighs> what what other you know, obviously you wrote other songs structurally on the album. Um, what other stuff did you pull out or what was maybe the hardest song for you to tackle on the record?
3: Um, hardest song to tackle. Um I don't know. Do you write any uh,
0: riffs that are really hard for you to play?
3: You know, there's a riff, it's it's very buried in the mix, but um it's the arpeggiating riff in the chorus of below third, which is a great song. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Maybe they'll hear it before they get this episode. But um no, it's uh, a really not cool.
0: before this episode, but only a clip of it. I played a small clip of it in Evan's episode, which came out on Monday. Uh- um, and came yeah. out not right now while we're recording this but you know what I mean it came it, while they're listening to this it
3: would have already come out oh my god okay I'm oh God. There <laughs> you
0: go. so okay so Boom. it's
3: it's like an arpeggiating riff um but it's skipping strings it's actually very hard to play and I actually had to sing it first it's one of those few riffs where I'm I was thinking about the chorus while driving and I go not that I'm singing perfectly, everybody. but no, that's awesome. Idea. You sound great. Okay. I'm humming it. And I have to go home humming it and I have to figure it out. And it's this A major arpeggio that like jumps around. Um, it's like. It's so, like there's jumping back and forth and it syncs really perfectly with your uh, your vocal melody for that song. It makes song. you want to jump. And we actually, when we play it live, that's actually like the intro riff. It's um, so good. Sweet. So that one was a sick riff to write, I think. Um, yeah, other yeah, that's leads.
0: one of my favorite leads of the record, for sure.
3: Yeah. Um, the end of Supernova has a bunch of leads going on. Um, it sounds very epic. Um, yeah, and I, and I like our breakdown. I don't know if you've teased where our breakdown will come.
0: I've talked about it a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah. In reference to, if you like the old breakdown that this one is far more ridiculous and awesome. <laughs> but, and I also talked about how I wanted to have screaming on it. Cause someone posed the question. They're like, if you could have any non rock person uh, do vocals on your song, I was like, Oh, I'd get someone like Trevor from black Dahlia murder to scream on the end of that song.
3: You didn't, you do a version where you screamed.
0: Yeah. And I love, <laughs> I did one at Evan's house. That sounded good. But then yeah. I tried to do it in the studio and I was like, all oh, right, I don't know how to scream and I I don't know what to do right now. Because I also was done with the record. So I had just sang 13 songs over, you know, five days or whatever. And yeah. my voice was shot. But yep. I wish there were screams on it. I'll just do yep.
3: it now
0: and put it on. Just over do it, it. now at home. Yeah. yeah. Like
3: just copy and paste yeah. it in. Seven
1: days before the album comes
0: out. Yep. <laughs> there you go. That was
3: it. I recorded that. Yep, I got
0: yeah. it. Oh, it's all here. It's all here. I've got it, and it's gonna okay. be beautiful. And everyone's gonna be like, "Wow, how <laughs> did how would you just scream out like that?" And it's so good. I just whisper, I whisper, and it's brutal. My whispering is so brutal. Um, so. Yeah, the record. I don't know,
3: any other other leads for you that pop out? Anything else I did? I'm having a hard time recalling stuff right now. I
0: think that sounds super difficult. You know, I'm going to do myself the favor of looking through the track listing real quick because that will help me for a moment. But nothing that comes to mind as like impeccably difficult. Um, There's always a few songs that I think were very special to put together, like Taconic, we really did as a group, and that was great. Swan Dive you know, Melvin just kind of had that and it was natural and didn't need too much work outside of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we had our challenges, which were a song like Platinum. Um, Yeah. But I think the most underrated song on the record is Bliss. Uh, Bliss is great. Yeah, love Bliss. Yeah, I think that that's the track that um, we always forget about. And it's a little late in the record and it gets kind of forgotten about, but Bliss is a heater. Um, and I'm really excited for everyone to hear um, 737. You know what I just realized, dude? What? And I wasn't sure if we actually did it or not. Candle in the Dark isn't on the record.
3: I, I, yeah, I remember us talking about that. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Are you cool with that?
0: Yeah, that's fine. It's okay.
3: It's a dope song, but um, I think we realized that we could... Do a better recording of it,
0: yeah. Too. And I don't want to always be that band that re records songs like we would with Spiral Gaze, so I think it's better this way. But, um, <laughs> I really can't wait for everyone to hear 737 mm-hmm. because that's something that I haven't talked about, and um, it's gonna be fun because I wrote a song about people dying on airplanes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very hard, sell. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, I to play to very poorly. Song. And somehow John made it sound okay. But yeah, I think, yeah, Bliss is super underrated. For kind of
3: I mean, is. I never forget about Bliss. I mean, we played it. That was one of our songs on the set list for the last tour. Um, yeah, that's a great, it's a great riffin song. Um, it's very old school thrice. If you haven't teased it yet, it's got a yeah. very old school kind of thrice. I'd, I'd put it in that category. I'm
0: going to use part of that song for this
3: episode, actually. Uh,
0: Yeah, put in that intro at the beginning of it.
3: It Perfect. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I wrote the bridge to that. I mean it is the same kind of riff, but then I just move the the chords in harmony and it kind of works perfectly. Hell yeah. Very easy song, yeah. I love it.
0: Yeah, I think people are are gonna end up enjoying how, how the record moves. It it's got a nice fluidity to it. Um you know, not too much of one thing. It's not like you just hear "Vampire" for an hour, or you just hear "Supernova" for an hour. It all really goes back and forth, and um, reminds me of the records that we liked when we were younger, like a Taking Back Sunday record, or a, you know, brand new record, or anything like that. Thrice record, "Artist in the Ambulance," you know, something like that. So, exactly, yeah, I think people will will dig it in the end, but. Um, What's your favorite, if you had to pick a favorite? do you say Vampire was your favorite?
3: I mean, if we're not going to pick Vampire, just because, it's sort of like it's on one of our releases, I'd say Below Third is the other one. that It's a good starter. Um, It's a great starter. Um, It's super catchy. It's like almost pop punk, but it's still got that kind of off-road minivan heat to it.
0: Yeah, I think anyone who likes (laughs) pop punk to like... The Menzingers to Saves the Day, stuff like that. Just good summer music. This is that summer song.
3: Yeah, it is.
0: You know? Yeah.
3: Very catchy. Very catchy. I'm a uh, fan. That chorus is sick. Yeah. Thank you, my friend.
0: That was, a, you know, I. that's another song. I kind of forget how we came up with it as a band and how mm-hmm. we wrote it. Um, I feel like it was just a group effort and live shit. Because we try to, as an element, you know, as as a band, we try to do, do things live. We try to play together. We try to get together and practice and not just rely on making demos on the computer. You, It needs to feel right when you're playing a rock song. It's not just putting together crazy riffs and time signatures and drum parts where you need to sit down and snap it to a grid. This is one of those bands that we just try to feel out and... um let the yeah. you know emotive sense of the song kind of take itself and 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 it worked out i think that i am there's probably one or two things i'd change on the whole goddamn thing i i think i'm pretty proud to release this thing tomorrow so hell yeah crazy. i
3: cannot wait to listen to the whole thing back to front yeah on spotify yeah,
0: yeah. It'll be nice tomorrow or next week whatever but whatever this is, yeah. And on the day that this comes out, which is Thursday, the fourteenth, the music video for you comes out as well. So if anyone's listening, go and watch the new music video on YouTube or uh no, it's on being released by Flood magazine on the fourteenth, which is today the day you're listening to it, because this is the day it's out. And if yes. you are listening to it after it's out, maybe sometime in the future, you should still go look at our music video for you because it's really nice.
3: And you'll catch a glimpse of the waterfall house. Yeah. Remember there's that?
0: quite a bit of the waterfall house. There is the waterfall that is from your front yard. There yep. is uh, your living room in it for the intro scene, the little dining room and for the Devin and everyone scene. Yeah. Um, It's all, we like getting back to uh, what I said earlier, we wouldn't be able to make music videos without Miles' family. Miles' family um, has a couple really unique properties in the Hudson Valley that have given us the chance to take these landscapes and turn them into music videos. Other than for the music video Vampire, which was a local venue that hasn't been active for over 10 years now that we rented Everything that you see, um, for the most part, is thanks to Miles and his family. We shot a few um, other places. We went to Bard College and shot at Blythewood, and that is the um, mansion that you see in the garden area. And we also got to shoot at the Red Hook Diner, which I cannot wait to go in there when this is all done and tell them to go check it out because that place is just staple for me. I mean... Danielle and I would still, when we lived in Beacon, would drive an hour on the weekend just to go eat there. It's my favorite.
3: Oh, it's the best. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it is a super old diner. I forget. It's like 1918 or 1920. That place started or some shit. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't.
3: It's old. It's got a historic sign next to it. So it's got to be old. It's pretty
0: old. It's old enough. The historic diner of Red Hook. So, you know. You are my right-hand man. We really accomplished a lot this year when it came to um, getting this record done, but also getting all the, the after work done, the, the the post effects, putting together music videos and shit. So I'm super thankful for you and all of your help and your parents' help with getting this done because um, it came out so good. Oh, yeah. So good. We got lucky with our actors, too. Um, yeah, they were great. We got a couple New Paltz students who um zach and chelsea who came and worked for us for the day and kevin did a fantastic job directing them and getting them to uh, play the part but they just did the cutest shit anyway and crushed it and what an amazing day shout out to devin and becca for being our other couple dev is uh one of my best friends. so That's why I don't give him as much praise just because <laughs> it's like, uh, Hey, can you please do this for me? Because you're really good looking and, and you, you look so good on the camera, Dev, come on. And uh they all crushed it. Um, Just thinking back on us all watching them shoot in the living room. These are memories I will have for the rest of my life or as long as my brain properly functions. So, you know, yeah, thanks, man. You have been nothing but the greatest of help to me, and um, you know the band really took shape after you joined we We needed that extra spunk and that guy that was gonna put some some fuel on the fire
3: so well, thank you guys. thank you and yeah, thanks to everyone in the band and everyone listening. Uh, being a part of this band has been a really important centralized part of my life my adult life so it's great i can't wait to make more music with you
0: dude what that's all i want to do right now when this stupid shit is done and i'm not not saying it's stupid because it's like actually stupid i'm just saying it's stupid because i'm frustrated and i'm tired and i want to go outside and play with my friends so um yeah i agree with you as soon as this is done we will make some tunes and uh get back at it you know yeah, Hell yeah and
3: but- even so you should come up, you should come back up to the Hudson Valley for a barbecue or something. And we can, we can socially distance, but
0: yeah. Hang out. Oh down. dude, I'm 100% down. I'm going on a hike with people tomorrow upstate. Actually, right. I mean, them in Beacon. So, um, Sweet. yeah, I, I just need to need to get out a little bit, but um, for everyone listening, one last thing, miles, why don't you tell them um, about your music lessons and how they can reach you. If they would like to get guitar
3: lessons from you. Ah, yes. Um. So I teach at the same music school that Evan teaches at um, called the Community Music Space in Red Hook, New York. And right now we are doing online lessons. Um, you can book them at the Community Music Space website. and uh, you What is that book- website? I think it's communitymusicspace.com. Sorry, I didn't know you were going to ask this question. Well, That's
0: okay. Try to get you that money if we can. Um, oh, I'm please. sure that there are plenty of people who would like to get lessons from you. Yeah. And I just did a, a
3: songwriting seminar. Yeah. So it's communitymusicspace.com. And obviously we could do a lesson um, via Zoom or Skype. Um, you know, so I mean, that's that's the big takeaway I got from Bard was a lot of this, this musical knowledge that I hope to pass on to people. Um, but I, yeah, I did a, a songwriting seminar um, you can find them uh, there. I think Evan did a piano one, too. Um, but that's on their Facebook page. Um, yeah, or you can get in touch with me on my Instagram. I'm at milesbackhome. So, yeah.
0: Excellent. Dude, that's <laughs> awesome. You. Yeah, uh, Miles is a fantastic singer and um, songwriter and guitar player, so if you're looking to get some guitar lessons, he is your dude, and he will help you to jazz up your life. But... Um, <laughs> Dude, thank you for getting tucked. Thank you for tucking. Talk- you had a great time. Yeah, it's it's been a hell of a week. I've gotten to force all of my friends into conversation. I've talked to over the last, you know, five weeks or so. I've talked to all of my bandmates. So it makes me feel better. And pretty much as soon as I get off with you right now, I, I'm going to go call Ryan anyway, because he called me while we were doing this. Um but yeah, dude, I love you, and my life wouldn't be the same without you. You have been my rock. You have helped me so much throughout this project, and all in all, you consistently give 110% effort in everything you do in life, whether it's your friends, your family, your uh, work. You know, it's, it's very inspiring to be around you, so thank you for being part of my life, my dude. Dude, thank you very much. I feel like I was just talking out of my nose for a minute there. No, you sound perfect. Ah, well, well, thanks, Miles. Um, But, dude, I'm going to let you go. Hang on for one second so I can say goodbye to you properly off the air. But, Miles, I love you, dude. Thank you for being on the show. And uh, I can't wait to release our record tomorrow. Same here. Love you, dude. Love you, too, buddy. All right. Bye. Bye. All righty, everybody. That was it. The Swan Dive into Minivan Week is now over. Off-Road is a very important part of my life, and I know it may not be for everybody. A lot of you might just be here because you're into Fit for a King, and I totally get that. Off-Road has really become a very pure emotional release for me. I can say things in these songs that I just couldn't say in a Fit for a King song, and it's it's just something that I really needed, and I thank you guys for your support and for listening to the band, and it's just awesome to get to make music with my friends that I've known for the better part of 20 years now so waking up tomorrow and downloading this album will be one of my proudest moments and i can't fucking wait but that is enough of my bands i'm sure you guys are pretty tired of it by now so this week we're gonna do something new and fun we have one of the greatest front men to ever grace the genre of metalcore Rio Kinoshita of the band Crystal Lake will make you wish that you never wanted to be a performer. He is so captivating and sounds so brutal that it truly blows my mind every time I get to see this dude. We have been lucky enough to play a lot of shows together and I can easily say he is one of my favorite people on planet Earth. So tune in next Monday for my episode with Rio of Crystal Lake. I took a flight on a 737
2: crashed in Send me to heaven. Never believed me in it, I saw. My whole life passed by, you weren't there at all. I took a fight on a 737, then land on nothing. a classical western. If everyone's falling, we all hit the ground. I wish I could call you up No one can change the time that we get on the shore. Rust through my lungs, safety belt's all I've got. This mask isn't happening, my function's on us. No one can change the time that we get on the short way down. I call one way. can't turn back around. I uh-huh.